one of the things you have to do as a public speaker to get more engagement from your audience is to connect with them on a deeper level. People like to listen to people who they feel are relatable. So that's why in this episode of Profitable Public Speaking, we're going to talk about how do we build that relatability factor so our audience feels like they know us even if when we're on that stage for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however long, it's the first time we're really seeing them, but by the end of it, they feel like they already know us. That's the power of relatability. Our guest who joins us today is going to talk about this with us. He's an author, professional speaker, personal coach, MC, and entrepreneur. His first book, Leading Imperfectly, teaches readers the value of being authentic for leaders, professionals, and human beings. He also speaks internationally about authentic leadership and promoting memorability. His clients include American Express, GE, Yale, The Ohio State University, and many others. Our guest who joins us for this episode of Profitable Public Speaking is none other than James Robilota. James, welcome to the show. My brother, Mark, thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate you letting me come on the show here. First time uh, caller, long time listener, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, James, it certainly is a pleasure to have you on the show, and I do appreciate you for listening. And whether you guys are listening to this right now, you're doing some exercise or you're chilling somewhere, just thank you guys for choosing Profitable Public Speaking. This one's going to be a great one because relatability is something you need to be successful as a public speaker to get the follow-up that turns people from attendees to clients to people who book you for their stages. So how do we tap into that relatability and connect with the audience on that level? Yeah, for sure, brother. I completely agree with you. I think relatability, uh, it just makes your message hit a little bit harder. Um, and it also creates, uh, therefore, more memorability, which obviously leads to more follow-ups and all that kind of stuff. You, you nailed it, brother. I think ultimately relatability, in my opinion, is one of the number one things that all speakers must be uh, because there's a lot of power in it. Because when we see ourselves in someone else, we believe that we can. And so there's a lot of power of relatability. And so how do we go about it? I think first off, I think, I think a lot of times speakers confuse credibility with relatability. And those two are very different, right? I think when we think about credibility, credibility are your accolades. Uh, relatability is why those matter. Uh, credibility is your title and the, the positions that you've held. Uh, relatability is what you learned. Credibility is who you know. Relatability is stories about the relationships, not just their names and what they do. Um, and things like that, right? It's like not degrees, it's what you're doing with the knowledge. And, and so we confuse those things a lot of times and, and understandably so because we believe that people will respect us more, that people will listen to us longer if they know that we have more experience. Um, when in fact, I think people will actually listen to you more if they see themselves more in you uh, than in your experience. I don't know. That, that's my take on it, brother. What do you think? I really love that relatability, credibility piece. I think it's an important one to jump into more because I'll use myself as an example. I know a lot about podcasting. I've helped a few people launch their own. There's a lot of different ways to monetize podcasting. It's a great opportunity. Now, it's great for me because I know this stuff, but sometimes you have to you know, make the adjustments to talk to someone who's just starting with a podcast and you have to, you know, you're still the expert in this area, but at the same time, you have to relate to that person who is just starting their podcast. That's why I always tell my story, you know, I've reached out to five people. 
If I got all five no's, that was a sign I should never get into podcasts. I got a yes, the rest is history. <laughs> but the, that story right there, like, I know a lot about podcasting, but then you have to, you know, bring it to that level. And I think that's where, you know, I'm credible. I have a whole bunch of podcasts, but if I can't bring down to that level and a level that the attendees are more resonate with based on where they are now, the speech just is not going to connect. Yeah. Yeah, 100%, man. It's so funny that we're having this conversation now. I just got off the phone with a gentleman named Lloyd Alquist. Now, that name may not ring a bell to you. He's better known on the internet as Epic Lloyd from the Epic Rap Battles of History. Um, and uh, they're one of the you know top YouTube channels and have millions and millions of subscribers and uh, and they're awesome and so I'm very fortunate to call him a friend um, we share a love of hip-hop but I was talking to him recently because I'm gonna start my own show uh, kind of using Facebook live YouTube live and things like that um, and I was talking to him and I was like hey brother uh, I was like so I currently have about 240 YouTube subscribers don't know if you remember that but uh, if you could bring yourself back to things that you wish you knew that you know now to what you knew getting started i mean and he was able to do that he, he didn't just be like well now that we got all these things you know you gotta <laughs> buy a whole studio you gotta you gotta buy out half of youtube ads right like like he was able to bring it back so that i could see the steps because that's what we do as speakers as speakers we're not in the business of making people feel uh, uh, we're not in the business of wanting the audience to feel that we are impressive we are in the business of selling ideas and tools and steps so that the audience can feel like they can get to where they want to get to and for speakers that come in all ego and are just like well this is me me and that time when i was here i saved four lives and blah, like those stories are cool but if you can't land the plane I don't see myself in you. So instead, I just listened to a cool story. I didn't listen to an impactful speech. Mm, that's a good. And I love how there's these subtle differences. Credibility versus the actual relatability. And now we just have cool story versus, you know, this actually impacted me. And it's all about that relatability. Like if we can relate to the story, there's actionable insights we can take away from it. That's going to allow us to better connect with that speaker. And I think we should jump into stories right now because there is that difference between a cool story versus something that actually has the impact. So how can we take a part of our story and turn it from, wow, this guy went through a lot or this guy did this really incredible thing to I'm going to make the change in my life based on what this speech was about. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, first you got to think about why you're telling the story. Um, and I think, I think a lot of speakers need to check themselves. I've had to do this in some stories myself. All the, everything that I'm talking about today, I've had to do or am still doing. Uh, but there's moments where we as speakers need to get over, get over ourselves, right? <laughs> um, and so uh, there's, there's, a, there's an important moment where it's like, I don't need to tell this story to be impressive. I need to tell it to connect. And so what are the ways that we could tell more relatable stories? Um, I think it's really um, putting ourselves in our audience's shoes. Um, and so who are those individuals in your audience? Um, what are they currently going through? What are their pain points? And not how have you come up with some amazing solution? to fix their issues we'll get there but first how have you been there right how have you been in that place where we don't have any inbound leads coming in and we don't know what to do or uh, we're trying to figure out social media marketing and we you know 
a barb in accounting just learned how to spell Instagram, right? Like, um, like where are those moments where you can bring it back? And I think a lot of it comes down to with your stories, business owners didn't go from, uh, I got hired and I became the CEO. Entrepreneurs do not go from, I had an idea, uh, venture capitalists now keep calling me. Um, it doesn't happen that way. It kind of comes back to that like cliche thing of like, what is your dash? And that concept of what's your dash, you've heard it before, where it's just like this idea of on your tombstone, you know, he lived from March 2nd, 1932 uh, to, uh, you know, April 10th, uh, 1999. <clears throat> but that dash in between those two, so much happened in that dash. And so much happened in the dash of your life, in the dash of your story. It's not about just sharing the perfect thing that you took away from it. It's also sharing about like, and so here's how I messed up during that. Here's where I slipped. Here's where I doubted myself. Here's where I let other people's judgments uh, get in the way. Um, those are the moments that we really start to tell relatable stories, um, in my opinion, is sharing those nuggets, those emotions in between, not just the impact. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, people relate more to struggles. I mean, every podcaster can relate to a horror of forgetting to hit the record button during the interview and realizing <laughs> halfway through, as I look to make sure this is recording, which it definitely was. I had that joke prepared. But the other piece of it is you have a, you know, like a story that I feel like, you know, you know very well, you keep telling it, but there's so many more stories inside of us. And it's, I think part of it is getting these stories out. I know, James, you called this story mining, which I definitely want to get into. So I'm wondering, how can we just take all the different stories inside of us that could be examples in our presentations or add more value to what we're saying? How do we find those deeper stories that we may overlook at first glance? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, Mark. I think that this is something that I've recently had to go through because I felt like some of my speeches were getting super repetitive, super stale, and beyond the normal repetition of doing a speech where it was just like, there's got to be more here. There's got to be a new example uh, of, of so that I can hit this this point, or maybe there's another time in my life where I didn't even recognize that this is what I was doing. Um, and so, uh, so I've had to do this, what I'm calling story mining uh, right now. <clears throat> I'm currently in the middle of it. And so it happens in a number of ways. I think, uh, first off, ways to recall stories. I mean, <laughs> the easiest one is just sit and think. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think a more fun one is to ask parents, ask relatives, ask friends um, for some hallmark moments in their life that may have involved you. Uh, what were those big moments? <clears throat> um, but also asking colleagues, former colleagues, current colleagues um, of, of some crucible moments of like times that you went through things together. Um, and I think so. Uh, so what that means is like, if you're going to talk to a former colleague, be like, Hey, you know, that boss that we had that neither of us really liked what, how did that impact you? How has that changed the way that you lead? Um, how has that changed the way that, uh, that you, um, now, uh, that you think about yourself or the way that you think about what work means? Um, how has that impacted you? And asking them kind of like, Here's another way that that boss that I tell a story about, here's another impact that they made. Um, and also it makes you think about different things too. Um, and it could be really good. Like tell me like that coach that we had together. Um, what was it like? Uh, you know, how is that, how does that coach impact the way you now parent your kids? Um, and like connecting some of those dots to where your audience is, is interesting. 
Um, there's other ways to do this, like journaling with prompts. Um, there, there's a bunch of good prompts out there that are, are services that will give you prompts to journal. Um, this could be an interesting thing too. Um, but ultimately, what you're trying to do is unlock your brain. And uh, is, is that making is that making sense, Mark? I can go I can go a little a one layer deeper too, if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, just to you know piggyback a little bit, then we'll bring it back to you. But yeah, dude, please. Uh, there, there's a lot of stories that you forget that other people remember. And I feel like you could relate to that where you remember a story about someone else that seems minor to them. So asking family and friends is a great way to source some of those stories. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. And then once you get into those stories, once you get those stories, it's about recalling the emotions that are in there. So how do you, how did you feel in that moment? Take yourself back. What were the emotions that you felt? Because those are the emotions that you want to share. Because we attach ourselves to emotions. People know what anger, what resentment, what joy, uh, what jealousy. We know those emotions. We can feel them. They come up inside of us um, and, and they paint a picture in our own head. Um, I think some other things when we're recalling some of these moments is what did you believe before that moment and how were those beliefs because of that person, because of that uh, hallmark moment, because of that whatever, how were those beliefs either challenged or reinforced? Um, it's another interesting thing that, uh, um, and then I would say one other way to dig a little bit deeper um, is, is thinking about like what happened after. Um, did anything change? Did you change? Did something change? Did the, your colleagues change? Did the, did the atmosphere change? Um, do you think differently now? Do you interact with people in a different way? And those are the kind of things that lead you to a powerful takeaway in some of those newer stories that you're mining. And it's interesting when you do look back at an old story, you have a different perspective on it. I mean, there are some people who they can make taking your kid to school a very entertaining story. <laughs> I mean, I can't do it just because of, you know, my age and stuff, but there are some people who can make that a very entertaining story. It's just based on, you know, family and friends, you know, they give you a different perspective on the story that you would have never gotten just by looking at yourself. But looking at the different stories of your life, I mean, some speakers do a really good job of taking like ordinary activities and things like that and making them very entertaining, but also connecting it to their overall message and what they want the attendees to get out of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, brother. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you put that in a really pretty way. I wouldn't even try to, wouldn't even try to speak over it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, with the stories that we provide to the attendees, I mean, there is a need to reinvent and need to change. There are other people, though, who they will take the same speaking gig and carry it for like 30 years. So what are your thoughts on like how do we appropriately introduce new stories, new ideas to an audience, like tweaking the main speech or do you suggest we just stay away from that? Yeah, that's a tough call. Um, I have a speech that I've now been doing for – uh, probably eight years, um, and it has certainly changed over time. I, I am tweaking it, um, but as as you get over, the speech gets tighter and tighter, and the tweaks that you make are a little bit different, right? It's like in a recipe, it's like, well, maybe instead I'll do a, an extra quarter of a teaspoon instead of like, I'm going to throw out the recipe. Um, and so uh, it's tough because in some ways, your audience wants to hear uh, the speech 
that you wrote that they came to love, right? Like it's a little bit of like when you go to a concert, you want to hear the songs, the, uh, you want to hear the songs in a way that you love to know them. Like you don't want them to come with some crazy remixed version that you're like, all right, that was kind of cool, but like I wanted to sing along with my favorite artist in the moment. So there's some speakers that depending on their audience, if they go to a lot of repeat individuals and they want that same content, there's a reason. Um, and it's a little bit of like that concert mentality, but not many speakers are like that where we're like rock stars. We're like, yeah, I can't wait. Oh, the quote I love is coming up. Um, <laughs> right. Like that's not really a thing. It's like, everybody say it with me. Um, and so, uh, so with that being said, uh, I think ultimately it's, it's, making sure that you're reinventing stuff for your audience that is appropriate. Mm. So for example, I spoke a lot in the beginning of my college career. Um, I spoke to colleges and universities and did a lot of work in that space. And three or four years ago, started coming into the corporate space and have been very fortunate to, to slowly grow that, that side of the business. Um, but my story about my freshman roommate doesn't hit in the corporate space. Um, and my story about, uh, you know, what, what my GPA was in college, like they don't care about that. Like, why are we talking about this? Um, so if you, if you were noticing that your stories aren't resonating and you can't figure out a way to land the plane a little bit differently for each of your audiences, then I would say, uh, it's time to move. It's time to put something new. It's time to find a new story. And one thing that I, that I suggest that I try to do is I'll have a friend that I, that I love their feedback from. I actually trust it. I'll have them sit in the audience and say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to gauge the audience response during these three or four moments of my speech. And if you feel like they're still with it and they're getting it, they're laughing as hard as I want them to laugh or they're as quiet as I want them to be, um, then maybe that story is still working. Um, and if they're not, then I need to move. Like, where did you notice that people put, that pulled out their phones to check a text real quick? Was there a place where that happened? Uh, was there a place where people kind of like turned to each other where you, you lost them a little bit um, that I couldn't tell from stage, but they could tell from sitting in the audience? Um, those are the kind of moments that I then revisit and be like, how can I make it better? I love that um, tip about, you know, having someone in the room. When do people look at their phones? Because people looking at their phones, it's like, okay, let's just get on with this. Let's get to a point <laughs> that interests me again. It's the very appropriate way of like saying that. It's the polite way to say it. And yes. um, like, you know, maybe polite, but that's not good for you if you're trying to actually create that effect on the attendees. I am interested in if you could discuss about your transition from college to corporate, why you decided to do it and how you've been able to get the corporate gigs? Because I mentioned American Express and GE is some of the places you've spoken for. Yeah, for sure, brother. So my whole speaking business started, I mean, I left my full-time job. Uh, I left my full-time job and, and and took a leap into the speaking career. And I jumped into the market where I was working. I was working in the college and university space. And so I built up a network and jumped into that. And so it was a natural fit. Um, and so in, in fast forwarding and trying to make the leap from co uh, college speaking to corporate speaking, that was hard because I had a lot of imposter syndrome in that moment because... I mean, Mark, I'll be honest, like up until that point, like I was still using the word semester regularly, right? Um, I was, I'd never had, I'd never had profits in like Q3, right? I didn't even know, I was like, I don't even know what Q3 was at that point. Because um, I didn't have that business knowledge. I'd never, I'd always worked in higher education. Um, and so 
So the idea that I was now going to take this knowledge and bring it uh, or bring this school skill set and to another audience that I've never worked in that environment, I was like, you don't belong here. Um, this is not where you should be. Um, but fortunately, leadership is leadership. Um, and there's still some really great takeaways, whether you're talking from a, 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 you know, I mean, the lessons that parents tell their kids are sometimes the same lessons that they could also be sharing with their coworkers, right? Just make it, just land it a little bit differently. And so that transition has been a little bit, uh, was, was, was emotionally difficult in the beginning. As far as what I've been trying to do and how I've been able to land some of these gigs, I mean, writing a book has certainly helped me. Um, you know this as well as, a, as an author, a, a well-published a well author. That, that book is, is a really great business card. Um, and so that is something that able, enabled me to get into more spaces and added just that touch of credibility um, to it, right? Having a master's degree helped to, to a certain degree also um, in the topic that I speak about. But um, yeah, in general, uh, in general, it's been an interesting transition that is that is really starting to come around because it's hard because college is a niche. And yes, there are smaller niches within it, but corporate is huge. I mean, there's companies for everything. And so where do you even start marketing? How do you even start marketing and getting yourself in the front of people? Now, that was a challenge for me that, uh, that I've been slowly overcoming and uh, it's been working, which is exciting. That's awesome. It's fascinating how college, I mean, it's super niche. Um, I've had other people on the show who they go into detail about, you know, how the, the college process works and it's really like competitive to get like, I don't think people really, uh, understand how competitive it is to get those types of spots and reaching out to the club organizers as a way to get the back door. in. I mean, there's a bunch of different approaches, but corporate, it's interesting how that's the opposite where one of them is too niche. The other is too broad and you got to figure out <laughs> which place you fit in on the corporate side. And, uh, for people who they are in that very broad sense, how did you find your lane when there's just so many different corporate speaking options? Yeah, absolutely. So I talk about authentic leadership. Um, and so that's a broad topic. Um, and, and so that doesn't help me, right? If I talked about sales or if I talked about like marketing techniques and I had all these specific places that I've applied those, that would be easier for me to get in, right? If I'd ever worked in the restaurant industry, but I have a bachelor of science in marine biology and a master's in counseling. So I don't exactly come in with a lot of business acumen. Um, and so for me, the advice that I was given that has been helpful to me is just pick a lane pick a lane and try there and go hard on that lane. So the one that I'm currently going pretty hard on is HR um, and human resources. Cause I think about like, okay, well who, who does the work? Ultimately I think my message is great for new managers um, and new managers, but I can't, just market to new managers. Again, that's too broad. Um, so who's doing the hiring? Who's doing the training of a lot of these new managers? HR. Let me go as hard as I can into HR. I'm apply to every single SHRM, Society of Human Resources conference, um, every single state conference. I'm apply to each one of them. Uh, maybe some breakouts, some keynotes. Let's see what I can get and let's go hard in there. And then the idea for me was if I can go there, then I'll notice what kind of companies are coming up to me after each one of my talks and be like, oh, wow, three people, three HR managers from banking came up to me. Maybe there's something going on in banking. Um, and that's actually currently what's happened to me where there has been some individuals in banking that have showed interest. It's like, okay, cool. I think the next vertical that I'm going to go down is banking because banking does a lot of um, 
the banking industry as a whole, nationally, there's a lot of really great leadership development for its people. Um, and so if that is the case, I want to be where that leadership development is happening. And if they're an industry that does a lot of that, then that's where I need to be. So that's kind of how I've been approaching it. And it's interesting how you talk about, you know, staying in your lane and then think about who's coming to you. Who are the event organizers that say, we want you or we're interested? Because now James is going in this direction with banking, which may not make sense for you, but it makes sense for James. And that's what matters because that's going to be the thing that uh, hopefully turns into really big opportunities. It's going to help James even more. But uh, the, the whole point of this is, uh, you know, don't do exactly what James is doing because it's working for James. Do what you want to do, but pay attention to who's coming to you. And then that's how you become a successful speaker like James, getting on places like American Express, GE. And I think the best way to really learn from these people is to listen to episodes like this and follow their work. So with that in mind, James, where do we go to keep following your work and journey? Yeah, for sure. Thank you, brother. And thanks for having me, man. Uh, I'm James T. Robo on all social media platforms. That's James T. Robo. Uh, all social media platforms. I'm also James at jamestrobo.com. If you want to connect with me, uh, I'd be happy to talk to you. I do a little speaker coaching, but I also just love having conversations with fellow speakers because this is a lonely business. Uh, so if I can be helpful, definitely hit me up, jamestrobo.com. Thank you all. We'll have those links down below. James, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you guys for choosing Profitable Public Speaking. Thank you, brother.